open and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, please join in turning to it. Um, I'm sure the words will come up on the screen as well. And it says, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has now just come to us, from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you have always pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again, and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Today my prayer is that we are transformed and inspired by the renewing of our minds and confident in Jesus and his word through the example of the Thessalonians. How relevant would you say the gospel and Jesus is today? If you had to give me a rating on a scale of one to five. Chris last week in his talk as we looked at second chapter in the book of Thessalonians, said something that resonated with me because I've been thinking about this and pondering it for a while. He said that in society today, it's easily assumed that the gospel is boring, untrue, irrelevant, and now possibly there's this assumption that the gospel is dangerous, oppressive, and unsafe. What do you think? Have you been pondering or experiencing the same thing? Paul says here that he is concerned that the Thessalonians will have been tempted and that their labors of spreading the gospel and spending time in Thessalonia with the church would have been in vain. And it is really tempting for us today to be pulled into that way of thinking. I know that I've been experiencing that and I'll tell you how I've been experiencing it. Uh, as I say, about a year ago, I left my job here at St. Mark's. I was surrounded by Christians. I worked for a Christian charity. We prayed every day. We worshipped every day. I did my job because I believed that it was part of the gospel. And now I work in a secular charity. Ooh. Um, you know, lots of people do it, and they're fine. But I've noticed that recently, this thinking has started to impact the way that I live my life. Because rather than praying immediately or reading my Bible or going to share my faith, I stay quiet or I find something else to do. And you see, we're porous. We're a bit like sponges. We soak things up. 
but also when we're squeezed or when we're oversaturated, we can let things go easily as well and we can leak. And I wonder if you've ever felt that or experienced it. Imagine it like this, that as Christians, we have been to the most incredible life-transforming party ever, and it never ends. It's changed us into a completely different person. We're joy-filled, we're full of the Holy Spirit, we are alive in Christ, and we think, did that actually happen to me? Is this real? I want to go and share it with others. They need to know about this. They need to take part. And so we go out into the world because we realize that this party is free and it's an open invitation to everyone. So out we go, faith-filled, full of passion, full of this enthusiasm and vigor to spread the love of Jesus and the good news. But when we get out into the world and we start talking about it, we realize that actually it doesn't sound that great to others. It's not their thing. It's a little bit boring Uh, Maybe they don't have time for it. Maybe there's another party that's going on instead that they're going to. And we keep going and we keep sharing about our faith and trying to invite people and tell them to come along. But eventually, we might think, oh, was the party that good? Was it, is it really, you know, worthwhile going back? Do I really want to invite other people to this then? And in our reading today, that's exactly what Paul was concerned about for the Thessalonians. Due to their suffering and their trials, he was concerned that their faith would be negatively impacted. And he was delighted to find that actually the complete opposite had happened. That the Thessalonians were standing firm in the Lord due to their faith and love. Today we see in this reading and throughout the Bible in our lives that Jesus and the gospel is not only relevant to our lives today, but also applicable, practical, empowering, transformative, and true, just as much as it was 2,000 years ago. And how so? Well, we discover this by reading this passage and firstly, understanding the role of suffering and affliction, and then adopting a Christ-centered mindset in order to be able to live our lives fully in the face of that. When we look at verses 1 to 4, it says, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker, in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. It is astonishing that in this letter, one of the first letters that Paul wrote, we see a community that reflects our own today. Thessalonica was the second largest city in Greece. It was buzzing. It had a port. It was well connected to Philippi through a major road. It was home to a host of beliefs and temples and different kinds of people, including the Roman imperial cult. The Thessalonian church was established with many Jews and Greeks coming to faith as a result of Paul's teaching there. But this wasn't well received. Paul faced a series of opposition in trying to spread the good news. And the Thessalonians themselves were subject to persecution because of this newfound faith. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2, chapter above, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we declare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. 
The reason for this is because the message of Jesus as king was seen as defying the authority of Caesar. Imagine the consequences of that. Imagine on top of that, friends and family ostracizing them because of their beliefs. Imagine strangers and other communities rejecting, criticizing, threatening, beating, attempting to even kill them because of this. Imagine living in an environment like that every single day and being in the minority. Although the world we live in today looks and sounds different, when we drill down into our experiences as human beings, there is so much similarity with our society and the early church. The Bible is full of communities and crowds amongst a backdrop of a melting pot of cultures, beliefs, ages, status, gender, ability, health, education, wealth, in places experiencing political unrest, places experiencing war, natural disasters, and much more. And we see a group of believers often persecuted, ridiculed, confused, living in these contexts, just trying to navigate life as best as they can, seeking to follow and glorify Jesus, and relying on his power, his strength, and his provisions through prayer, worship, and community, just like the Thessalonians, just like us today. It may be that the practices and the language that we find in the Bible is a bit foreign to our day-to-day lives now. But when we look at the context behind these passages, and we look at what's happening at the heart of them, we see experiences of those that are universal with our own, and we find teachings of love, faith, perseverance, hope, selflessness, humility, goodness, self-control, compassion, and courage, all inspired through the person of Christ. And we see that these are essential and foundational to living a full life. Even today, we see that these values and principles are spoken about in podcasts and books and thought leadership. It may not be that we attribute it to Jesus, we talk about something else, but it is absolutely fascinating and we can't deny that God's word knows how important and how applicable um, Jesus' guidance and his teachings are for us. It doesn't mean that it's easy We see in Paul's deep concern in these first verses in the passage that the Thessalonians would abandon their faith. We can feel his concern and almost his anguish. Paul knew what it meant to be persecuted, and he completely understood how challenging it was as well. That's why he is sending Timothy to them. Despite the distance it would take to travel, he just wants to find out how they are and send someone to be with them. But Paul also knows that the suffering that they experience is part, of, is part of their lives, but it's not their destiny. Paul and the Thessalonians know this and they believe it because Jesus said it, God himself. In order to understand and have this Christ-centered mindset, we need to talk about suffering and affliction. Did you know that faith and affliction and suffering, they're not contrary to each other, but in fact, They go hand in hand. For me, as someone who's probably a little bit anxious, definitely a hypochondriac and a serious overthinker, I've noticed that suffering and challenges and hardships 
are one of the biggest obstacles that I face in my faith, but also one of the greatest opportunities for me to grow in my faith and experience God. Suffering will always be a challenge for us, whether we have a faith or not. It is the one thing that we all have in common, and every single one of us will experience it. God knows this. It's why he talks about it. But while we may experience suffering, as I say, it's absolutely not our destiny. We will overcome it, and we don't face it alone. How so? In verses 6 to 10, it says, But Timothy has now just come to us from you, and he has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. God's will is not for us to suffer, but to have freedom all through Jesus, and this is the gospel. When we look at the Last Supper before his crucifixion in the book of John, Jesus knows that he's about to leave his followers and they will endure and encounter suffering and it will be incredibly difficult for them. He also knows that there is more to life than this suffering and gives a series of messages to strengthen and encourage them and also to support us today. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. He concludes all of this by saying, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. God became man and suffered and died for our sins in Jesus. That means that God knows shame. It means that he knows what it's like to be hated and mocked. He knows what it's like to be in physical and emotional pain. He knows just how hard it is. And because of that, he assures us that even though we may experience it, that's not all there is. And that's exactly why he rose from the grave. As Martin mentioned, I used to work here at Spear Clapham Junction, worked here for about four years. And uh, I don't know if many of you know about Spear, but the program works with young people who aren't in education, employment or training in South London to give them the mindset, skills and resources they need to be work ready. And often Spear works with young people who experience barriers. So they may have no GCSEs, a criminal record, they may have been a young carer or a care leaver, they may be experiencing mental health struggles. I think the most important aspect of the SPEAR program was the mindset training that we did. It is the foundation in which everything else that the trainees learn is built. Resilience, growth, or a long-term mindset without these key shifts in perspective. And in the video earlier, when we were hearing from Restore, they talked about paradigm shifts. And the first person to speak talked about gaining a new perspective. Without these, it's really difficult to understand challenge. It's really difficult to go into difficult circumstances like lengthy job applications or facing rejection or pushing through to try and adopt new habits if you don't have the right mindset and internal foundation first. 
in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the same for us just as the Thessalonians. We too, like them, have to adopt a spiritual mindset that is fixed on Christ and that understands that we will experience suffering, but in Jesus, we have assurance and hope that it is passing and there is so much more. As, Christ as Christians, we have to discipline ourselves to overcome the challenges among us, using our mindset as the operating system and our understanding of Christ and hope of heaven as the operating system for which our decisions, actions, values, and all understanding flows. As seen in verses 10, Paul says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank you enough in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and again and supply what's lacking in your faith. This mindset isn't just internal and we keep it to ourselves. It's practical and it's faith in action. This firm foundation in Jesus helps us form community. It helps us to pray. It helps us to share and encourage each other in our struggles and in our successes. All of these are agents of change and gifts that we've been given in order to be able to encourage and love one another and grow in our faith and help others grow in theirs too. Without this Christ-focused mindset, it's easy to lose sight of who we are. It's easy to become overwhelmed and disheartened, distrusting, immobilized by fear, easy to feel dejected. We could get swept up in the uncertainty and tumultuous turnings of the world. But like the Thessalonians, we can remain firm in the foundation of the Lord. This series is actually titled Hope and Holiness in an Ever-Changing World. And so what does it mean to have hope and what does it mean to be holy today? We have hope in believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that his Spirit is with us right now. We have hope in knowing that he never leaves us and never forsakes us, that he is good and powerful and that he lives in us. And in him, we have eternal life and he has a home for us in heaven. We understand that, yes, things will be hard here on earth, but we don't face them alone and we won't be overcome by it because of him. And it's living and adopting this mindset that helps us to be holy. Holiness is not about being better than at all. I think holiness has these connotations of, uh, of negativity and being, you know, kind of superior. And it, it can actually be unhelpful when we talk about holiness. But let's just reset. That's not what holiness is. Holiest, holiness means to be set apart. God is holy because he is set apart. When we look at the Old Testament and we see that they couldn't access a holy space, it's because it was set apart and it was distinct from everything else. God has set us apart. We often talk about things being countercultural. That's exactly what this is. It is countercultural. But by living it out and embodying and acting on this mindset, that's what makes us holy. And that's how we reflect and honor Jesus in our lives today. When we understand that life is both battles and blessings, 
challenges with overcoming, suffering with reassurance, we gain a new perspective. We can be encouraged and strengthened in learning and sharing from other communities that are around us, that have gone before us. We can find guidance and comfort in God's word and in his Holy Spirit. We are assured that he sees it all, he is in it all, and he works through it all. That's what we put our hope in. So that when the world is shaking, we are not thrown from side to side. Despite whatever the world may throw at us, we can face it today. So are you ready to come to the party? Go out and invite others in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet. Thank you that they're not just stories or words that are there to encourage us. But more than that, they are your words. It's you speaking to us today. It's you giving us practical guidance. It's you meeting us. Thank you for your son whom you sent to save us. And we pray, God, that you help us today to have faith, to have hope, and to embody a mindset that is Christ-centered and to act on this. We pray the prayer that Paul prayed at the end of this passage. We pray that the Lord makes our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. We pray that he strengthens our hearts. We pray, God, that we will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes. In Jesus' name.